Okay. Heaven or earth? I'm going to go with heaven. Earth. Earth. I don't know. I think heaven. Heaven. Definitely earth. Earth. Yeah. I'm Tanya, and you are listening to the first episode of season two of Human and Holy. I'm so excited to be back here with you. Today's episode is sponsored by Nahamadina and Maishi Shiner in honor of the births of Eliezer and Uziel. Thank you to the Shiners for making today's episode happen. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to help make future episodes happen, please reach out at humanandholy at gmail.com for sponsorship opportunities. So we have officially launched our Human and Holy newsletter. This newsletter is going to be a space for further conversation and provide you with resources to deepen your own exploration around topics that we discuss on the podcast. To become a subscriber, you can click on the link in the show notes or visit humanandholy.com slash newsletter. The first email comes out on Yuta's Kiss Life, November 19th. Just make sure to confirm your subscription in your inbox before Tuesday in order to receive our first email. Okay, I have some big news for the podcast, and that is that Human and Holy is going weekly. We will now be coming out with a new episode every single Sunday morning, and I am really excited to double our conversations here. Now that we got that all out of the way, (laughs) on to today's episode. It's unlike any I've ever done before, and it was so much fun to put together. Yotis Kislev is the one-year anniversary of the podcast, and it's also my favorite date on the Hasidic calendar. I didn't just want to honor the day. I really wanted to celebrate it. Today's episode is a pure celebration of the presence of Hasidus in our lives. For the first time on the podcast, I got together a group of friends in one room, and we held a birthday party. For Hasidus. This episode is filled with joy and gratitude for the wisdom that was birthed years ago and continues to expand more deeply in our lives every day. I hope you will join us today in celebrating Hasidus. Happy birthday to, to you. What's that? Are you talking? Wait, wait, I was so good at you. You know what I'm saying? Okay, yeah, speaking. Hello? Hello? Back and getting Where's the wine open or whatever. Is it on properly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is oh, it smushing my face? Yeah, it looks cute. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. Welcome to the birthday party of Hasidus. I was really brainstorming about how I wanted to celebrate Yutus Kislev this year. And I kept coming back to the joy of the day and how unique Yutus Kislev is in that the implications of what happened historically is a lot deeper than just the simple storyline. Yutis Kislev represents the spiritual birth of Hasidus. And when a loved one has a birthday, you write them a card, buy them a gift, tell them how much you love them, what they mean to you. And then you also just get together and you do something fun. So tonight we're literally having a birthday party. Birthday hats and birthday decorations and everything. I wish everyone could see it. It looks really fun in here. 
we're going to play some games, eat some food, talk about the birthday girl, you know, just the regular birthday stuff. <laughs> You're talking about Yotis Kislev. Yeah, I'm talking about Kislev. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the birthday girl we'll is celebrating. <laughs> okay, let's start by introducing ourselves. Everyone could just say their names. And why don't you tell us something that you like to do in your free time? Hi, everybody. I'm Chaya Aver. What I like to do in my free time is definitely taking a walk in nature and just being out in a big field, trees, anything, just like connecting with my surroundings. My name is Masia Machkin. I really like just being in nature, just being, doing something like calm, cooking. I always have to do two things, like listening to a podcast and cooking, not being busy. Is what I like to do. <laughs> nice. I'm like feeling organized. Hi, my name is Miriam Freund. In my free time, by the way, same as you guys, I really enjoy nature, taking walks in nature with my baby. Also love socializing with friends, calling my family. Yeah, that's me. My name is Sarah Bartfield. Hello. Uh, I like to do in my free time. I... I love hiking. I also like getting lost and finding my way back, which gives me a little bit of an adrenaline. Nice. I would be lying if I said I like changing diapers, but I love spending time with my little baby and calling my family. And that's pretty much my day to day. Hi, my name is Rosie Gorevich. I moved to New Haven around four years ago from Australia. And when I moved here, I actually discovered that my mother was here when she was 19 years old, also teaching here. So I feel like I, in a way, came back to my roots. And what I like to do in my free time is honestly ironic because I love to keep busy. I think it gives me adrenaline, honestly, just doing anything that makes me feel alive, that infuses my life with meaning and purpose. And right now I'm currently studying interior design. I love creating beautiful spaces and homes. And yeah, I think that's just one little part of my life journey so far. Hi, my name is Ali Sheva Grossman. I like to do creative things in my free time. I used to do photography and now I am studying interior design and I just enjoy anything that is colorful and design and creative. I forgot to say my flowers. <laughs> Can you move your mic a little closer? Okay, so now we're going to play a game. Awesome. Well, we'll start with you, Chaya. <laughs> I'll put this birthday hat on your head, but don't look at what it says. Okay, awesome. Everyone can see what Chaya says. Perfect. Oh, that's so cute. I thought we were all just going to wear party hats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Chaya can keep hers on for the rest of the night if she wants. <laughs> okay, so on Chaya's head, she has a concept in Chassidus that has been explored on the podcast. And what we're going to do is, is we're going to go around and try to explain the term without translating or defining the actual term itself, but by showing how that idea presents itself in our lives. Hi, you look adorable. <laughs> yeah, you actually look so looks really cute. It's so cute. Yeah, it's whisking my chin. <laughs> I'm just saying like the incentive to speak up is that if you're the one who gives a scenario that gets Chaya to the idea. You get her hat, and whoever has the most that's hats so at the cute. end gets a really good Oh my God, that's so cute. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so now, I know, I just stopped the incentive. Okay, should I go? Go for it. 
as a mommy to a very active little girl, sometimes it can get very overwhelming and I get very anxious and I need to like pause and remind myself that it's just like a feeling and this is something I can like work through and I need to just take a breather and when I regroup, I'll feel better. Any guesses, Chaya? Feeling your feelings, being in the moment. And what does that translate into? (laughs) But also like acknowledging that it's like just feelings, you know, and I'll work through it. Is it Achta Sashem? No. Nope. Keep going, Alisha. Sometimes when like life can feel overwhelming and you get stressed out, there's so many things to do. When you have that moment of just clarity and you just calm yourself down and and you think about it all and you just, you like, you're like, okay, this is going to be okay. Just recenter yourself, you know, and acknowledge that like your feelings are real, but they're also just feelings like you can work through them. Sometimes you want to do something and you know, it's not the smartest thing. And you have like the choice to either go like with your gut and with your mind or you can go with like what you're feeling. Okay. Maya Shalit Al Halev. Yeah, awesome. Yay. Yay. Good job. Okay. Feeling the bad one. Yeah, yeah. 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 We're not that strict here. How can you at once make these conscious choices about how you're going to direct your emotions while still being true to the natural emotions that are bubbling up within you when you confront tragedy, hardship, life circumstances that you can't control? Because I give space for them. I allow my emotions to be there. And I also talk my emotions out or write my emotions out, but I don't dismiss them ever. It's just that the space that I give them has to be within a certain parameter because otherwise they'll just overtake. Yes. I can feel all those emotions. I, if I hear a piece of sad news, if it's a personal piece of sad news or a communal piece of sad news, so I will go into that space and I will feel whatever it is, whatever it is. Any situation anybody finds themselves in, there's going to be triggers from the past that's going to come up and there's going to be an emotional attachment, good or bad, and it, all kinds of emotions will will come up in any given circumstance. We know we have to govern and direct ourselves and so on. Give yourself time. Give yourself time before making a decision. The process of understanding what it is that we're feeling and the process of dissecting what it's triggering needs time. And you don't want to do anything that you're going to regret. So give yourself time. Okay, who wants the hat? It's very easy. You have to talk about the hat. So (laughs) good job to get the hat. (gasps) Is it on properly? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is it smushing my face? Yeah, it looks cute. Okay, (laughs) smushing it. Okay. Okay, who wants to go first? Sharing his hands. Sarah, go for it. The most minute situations that happen fall under this term and that in itself is so empowering to me because I know that it will all be for good and because I know that it makes my life so much happier so much easier and it flows and even the things that don't look like they're flowing 
I know that they're Hashtag from. Hashtag Apprentice. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Did I yeah. say anything you were very good at? Yeah. yeah. I, feel like I didn't want you to guess it so quickly. I know. She said every minute detail, and that's what got me. Exactly what you said though, Sarah, that like, I don't relate to like, like the big things that happen in life that you're like, oh, it's a shakaka practice. Like right. that doesn't resonate with me. It's more like the little things. I was, I was trying to say without saying it that like, it's not just like, oh, he missed his plane. The plane crashed. Right. Everyone else, you know, right. passed away and he's the only one that's living. It's like even the smallest things that happen, like uh, my child woke up at this time of the night, like these tiniest things you would never imagine that God is running. He's running right. and it really makes you realize like right. everything is for a reason. Like right. everything, everything. I really know. I also feel like it's the recognition of Hashem exactly when things don't work out. It's regardless of the outcome, I recognize that Hashem was totally a part of this. Nice. And really wanted it to go exactly like that. It's almost like comes before Betachin. Before you can trust that whatever happened was supposed mm-hmm. to be the right thing. Wait, this was supposed to happen. Right. Like even if you can't see a positive yeah. outcome. Exactly. Makes it easier nice. to not see the positive outcome. That's so interesting. Yeah. So true. I heard once in a lecture, actually, someone who was talking about bitachon, <laughs> and he was saying like someone who has real bitachon sees that like hashkacha pratis isn't when that's, that person misses their flight. It's in that like every second of your life that God is literally like overlooking every single detail. And it's not like when you pick at the big things, it's every single part of your life has led you to where you are right now and i think it's incredible when you like apply it and you can see it in your life i like that every part of your life has led you to where you are right now same i've connect to it so much So you grow up, I, I grew up in a Chabad Hasidic family, you know, you, you, you learn Hasidic, you're in school, you hear the concepts and you don't really pay much attention because it's like when you're young and you're a teenager, like you don't automatically just adapt these, you, you, the periphery, right? Like you're just, of course, it's part of your life, so to say. So the first time I actually had to like confront this concept face to face in a really big way is when I was 23, my husband and I have struggled with infertility. We had gone to New York for a procedure and that procedure was going to make or break whether we were going to have biological children. And it was like all our eggs were in one basket, right? Like it was either it was going to work or it wasn't going to work. So that procedure didn't work. It wasn't successful. The surgeon came and told us, he's like, according to nature, you guys are not having biological children. And that's like when that concept was like smacked in front of my face because, and I talk about this a lot and I'm telling you that this concept saved my life because if I didn't un- like have this idea of Hashkacha Pratis in the back of my mind, if I didn't understand it or know about it at all, and if I would have just been like, I'm not having biological children and there's no reason for, there's no reason I can understand and there's no like, then my life is done. Uh, this is how I wanted my life to be, my like, and I'm going to fall apart. And I'm like, what's the purpose, right? Like, how am I going to move on if I think that this is, has no reason and no purpose? So I had to confront this idea and be like, no, I believe that everything happens for a reason. So even though I don't understand why God decided that me and my husband are not going to have biological children, I understand that there's a reason for it. And I understand that God has a plan and there's purpose. And 
that is really what gave me the strength to move through this. Like I'm not, of course there was grief and pain and all those things. It's not, it doesn't take that away, but there's foundation, there's grounding. Like I can grieve and I can be in pain, but I know that I'm going to come out the other side because I know that there's a bigger picture. And whether I get to see it or not is irrelevant to the fact that I know that God is not just the producer of the world. He's the director of the world. Okay. Who wants the next hat? Fine. <laughs> okay. Everyone look at me. I'll give you. The hat is a, like a fun job. I know. I feel like it's no? the funnest. You don't have to talk. Yeah. He's just like guessing. Oh, who's going first? <laughs> who's going first? I go. Okay. Hi, go for it. A deep knowing that what is happening is like completely from Hashem. I feel secure, like held, like actually held in Hashem's hands with this. Like he's taking care of me. Like something, let's say I fall, like he's literally picking me up and carrying me. I, I want to hear more. Him, can I just wait I can give a him more of an example. <laughs> I think it's also, it's so easy to say, but it's something that like, even if you're still working on it to like feel it, it still helps. Like, you know, there's someone to like not fall back on, but it's like, it kind of like intertwines with Ashkaka Bratis that like everything's happening for the right reason. And the same way that you believe everything's happening for a reason, you believe that because you have this thing that helps guide us through and make us feel comfortable in every decision we make and everything that happens. Yeah. Like yeah. you yes. could, you could do your best, but that's all you can, can do. Should I guess? I had this a lot when I was making the move to New Haven. I needed this from Hashem. Like you just, you're turning to someone to just trust him. Bitachim. <laughs> oh Yeah. <laughs> You believe that someone's behind you, but like just falling and like just trusting that someone's there. Like, yeah. It's yeah. Di- it's, it's different. It's a total yeah. internally relaxed feeling. Yeah. Like you like, could believe someone, but also be nervous. I can't imagine like not having a and just being like, oh my God, what is happening in this world? In so many like Rebbe letters that I've like read, like the Rebbe has like pointed to Bitachan in being like a remedy to like so many like physical and like emotional ailments. He would just write like strengthen your Bitachan and like we'll hear good news. And like even just for me this year, like I write to the Rebbe often and I would get that answer. And I always had that innate Bitachan, but like at times when life just like tests you, sometimes you find yourself like it's kind of like fleeting and it's not so present in your life. And I feel like once I started taking it on and really like making it more like a practice in my life and just thinking in those terms, I really started to feel my life taking on a different turn and like seeing things more positively. So yeah, I know the Rebbe was very strong with emphasizing that Pitaka not just be like a thought, but be like a part of your life. And it really helped so many people in physical and like emotional distress come back to like a wholesome state beautiful what does bitachon mean it means like trust. Trust. trust no in hebrew bitachon is i have no idea what? security security yeah. <laughs> right yeah yeah oh really it's like security system <laughs> yeah it's oh, true that's like that yeah, feeling that's nice. security go through that's bitachon. Good. i like that so emuna is faith and bitachon is trust emuna is i believe god is here 
I believe he created the world. I believe he is supervising it. And I believe he is all capable. I believe God can do anything, right? And I think most people are cool with that. Most God-fearing, God-knowledgeable people are okay with that. It's a comfortable place to be. I like knowing that he's here and he can do anything. And bitachon is trust. And trust is next level. It's the practical part. It's the stuff that comes out when we are in some places we would have not chosen to be. And that's why it's trust. I mean, as kids, we all did the trust fall. Can our friends catch us? Can their arms physically catch us? Yeah. But will they? I don't know. Let's fall and find out. Right. So that's where we are with God. Knowing he can and believing he will. Mm. Faith, trust. He can and he will. Especially after Mendel, when I felt like a lot of control was taken away from me. And it's a terrible feeling, especially for a mother, to not be in control of protecting her children. And the one little bit that was in our control or we thought was in our control, we had failed. So you have this, and again, I'm being a psychologist for myself when I'm thinking about this, because I think that this is where it's all coming from. I think that because of that, I desperately try and find things I can control with my family, with my kids, with my life, because I want to fix it. I don't want to fail again. I know, I know it's not in my hands, but the little bit that he lets me believe is in my hands, I hold on to really tight. And I think that Bitachon is loosening that grip a little bit and it's really hard, but the moments that I've been able to do that, it feels so good. Okay, who wants a hat? I can take a hat. Okay, who's going to give Mercy an example? Okay, I can go. Okay, go for it. So like at the end of the day, when I feel like I'm so spent and I'm so limited by my physical capacity and I just want to like tell my husband, can you just do bedtime? And my daughter really, like, I know she needs me. And I just push past the limit and I open myself up to being expansive and and I'll just give a little bit. And then actually once I go and push past that like little tiny bit, I'm like lay down with my daughter and I speak to her and we have such a good conversation and, you know, like there's more that we even right. accomplished than I thought that I could even like be there for a minute and I'm there for like 30 minutes. I relate to that a lot. That's like when really you good. push yourself and like you didn't even know you needed it and then you have that like moment. I was like, oh, that's yeah. like perfect way to end the night. <laughs> and like it was so much more than what you just thought your daughter needed. Yeah. yeah. I feel and like, like you I, thought you I were boxed done. myself in. I'm like, no, I'm done. Mm. I've done this whole day. And then I just let myself go a little bit. And then I feel like an energy. When you're maxed out, you're just maxed out, but then you reach deep inside. Anytime that I feel limited, I'm not so spiritual, but this resonates because you remember that you have a piece of God in you. And because you have that piece of you, you are unlimited. So as much as you think that you're limited to a certain extent and that you have X amount of number, you know, on the energy scale, you're above that. You're unlimited is it ain't so? Yes. yes. Great. That's good. Can you like expand on that? I love how she said like in the podcast, my cup is full. So then we're like, okay, 
my pitcher I mean, is full, my plate is full, my platter is full. Let's bring out the life of a mom. Yeah, let's get a swimming pool. <laughs> exactly. Like just when you say, okay, it's overflowing, it's too much, instead of asking for less, ask for a bigger capacity to hold. Right. right. Which yeah. is so, so different. beautiful. That's yeah. interesting. I loved that too. I had my six kids and I felt like I was done. I felt like I had reached my limit. So I started obsessively asking around at this point. I felt more confident. I felt like I did have a big family and I was just interviewing people. And anyone I could ask, I said, what did the Rebbe mean? What is a big family? How many children? And we had, I would say, one of the premier Lubavitch thinkers in our house for a Shabbaton. And I said to him, like, what did the Rebbe mean? How many children is a big family? And he looked at me and he said, how many children do you have? I said, six. He said, you have a big family. He's like, oh, I do. That's right. Thank you for the validation. So at that point, I spoke to him. He's not a rub per se, but he's been cussed. And at that point, I felt confident with calling a rub and telling the rub, like, I feel like I'm done. So according to Halacha, the rub said, you're done. Sure. But why don't you call your mashbia just to really discuss this. I called my mashbia. I told her about my journey with this, told her how I felt. I told her about the clarity I was feeling and what the Rav said. And she helped me understand that the brachas that come with each child, that why would I want to limit my brachas? She said, Hashem is limitless. And Hashem can give you so many brachas. And do you want to limit your brachas? And she didn't say this like in a guilt-mongering way. She really said it in just in the way that it, it was like, oh, I hear you, I hear you. I had possible brachas waiting inside of me, and the rest was noise. I had the power within me to know what was best and to make this decision. And that also felt really empowering because I had like, the decision was in my hands. It wasn't any more a pressure. With this conversation, it clicked for me. Why would I limit Hashem? Hashem is limitless. He has this power. And she helped me access this. She helped me access my treasure within, which is my aim self, my ability to be limitless in this situation. She gave me the power to draw upon my own spiritual depth to go ahead with this decision. So instead of it remaining like in the abstract, I'm confused, I don't know, Hasidus calls this makif, it was just like hovering somewhere. She helped me go into myself, and if Hashem is in me, then actually I have a piece of infinity in me. Okay, does I everyone prepa- see the I'm hat? I'm prepared for this one. You're prepared? Just kidding. Ready? Okay, go for it. It's a choice you make every single moment. Like you have to choose it. Music helps. <laughs> I think I got Dancing it. Dancing helps. Dancing helps too. Dancing I feel like there's too. so much to say on it. Okay, yeah, go. Like so it's much. so, I can so easy to go. Does my baby bring me this? Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> for sure. What is internal joy? I'm just like curious how you would define it. I feel like what you just said, like choosing happiness. I feel like that's internal joy when you choose to be happy. Because that's not defined by anything or by having anything or by doing anything that's just you choosing whatever you are whatever you have you're choosing to be happy who was it we were at i think your house and um what's her name buffy 
whatever someone mentioned she's like when you walk through the door the shin sin on the mezuzah mm-hmm. she's like either you could walk into your house and be happy simcha or you could be i think with shaitrave like anger like the way you come through your home is going to produce like the vibe the environment of the home right it's not easy no like i feel like you could feel unhappy while still choosing to be happy right like it's not like yes. oh i choose to be happy okay i'm happy but i think it's one step closer to having internal happiness by having that mindset and knowing that you want to be happy even if you don't feel happy yeah if yeah. that makes sense i also think that coupled with bitachon simcha is like so important to go hand in hand because when you have that bitachon you're automatically thinking along those lines that this is happening for the best so why shouldn't i be happy everything like intertwines because essentially it's all tara and it's all one book of life i think it like also just boils down to realizing that like materialism doesn't make us happy like of course it's a thing that god gave us and he wants us to utilize it for the best but really happiness comes from infusing our life with meaning and tara and doing good for others and just being happy with our lot and i think that perspective really makes us happy because really like none of us have it all and we're never going to reach that like point where we will have it all because we're humans and we're perfectly imperfect and hashem didn't give us it all because that's life but just having that perspective that i can be happy with what i have right now like for me at least just i don't know makes me feel happy mm, i like that i love, I love that. that i was reading this thing in tanya and it was saying like you choose to be happy because you know that like Hashem, a piece of hashem is inside of you mm-hmm. and i was like wow that's i f- actually feel lucky and happy that like i was born a jew with an neshama and it, it feels, I like, I actually like laughed out loud. And it was like, I wow, felt an so inner cute. joy just being Jewish. I feel so lucky. And that I feel like that's the most inner joy that we're trying to get to, like back to that light. That Beautiful. I also and, think um, like it's a, else, I like, think it's a constant journey also. Happiness is something that's like a road and it sometimes can be a lifelong journey to discover like what is real happiness to me. But I think that's also part of life, like just going through it and discovering and uncovering parts of ourselves and realizing like all the different things that like life throws at us and what really makes us happy and fulfilled and the best version of ourselves. Yeah. I love how you connected Bitachin with Simcha because I think that sometimes the source of, at least I'll just speak for myself, source of my unhappiness is when I feel like something is unfair or like I should have this or I should be in this situation, but I'm not. So therefore I'm not joyful because like I deserve this or like this is what I should have. And when you move to that space of Bitachin of like it's, or I don't just trust that God gave you exactly what you need to make a life, to fulfill your soul's mission in this world, to be joyful. Then like suddenly you can go to that carefree space and that place of security where I can be happy with what I have because it was divinely destined for me to have this or not to have this. And so it doesn't like weigh as much because it's not like an unjust thing that was done. Hashem's not going to send you a present yes. and be like, you'll miss yes. it. You know? Yeah, whoops. <laughs> miss yeah. that boat. <laughs> yeah. It's like really, really dumb example, but I know that if I go early in the morning to Trader Joe's, I can get the best flowers. <laughs> right. And I'm like, well, you know what? If 
I can't get there, then it's not meant for me. Mm. It's like really a dumb example, but it's like, it's not going to pass me by. Like I'm not meant to have that exact thing, you know? It's not dumb. I think it's also like with happiness, like you think if something like silly makes you happy, it's like, okay, that's so silly. Why should it make me happy? But that's not true. Like silly things can make you happy. Like you can't like going to Trader Giselle, like that makes you happy. And like to notice that that makes you happy. Like that's fine. Totally. Trader Joe's makes me happy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Flowers. Yeah, it's funny, actually. I was upstate a couple weeks ago and someone was saying it's about her at the table. And he was saying that, like, if you we have the perspective that anything that we don't have right now isn't meant for us, it, like, literally can change your outlook. Like, if Hashem didn't give it to you right now, you're not supposed to have it. And if he gave it to you, you're meant to have it. Like, and that's a crazy thing to think about. Like, oh, you don't have it right now? Hashem, don't worry. Like, he he has this plan and you're not supposed to have it right now. And that, like, I needed to hear that at that moment. Like, you're not supposed to have it right now. It's not the right time. And that in itself can like lead you to like a happier place within yourself because you realize like it's all part of like this plan and like you can be happy just being where you are. Yeah. Simcha is about opening up and just accepting like I am where I am when I'm supposed to be. I mean, if we're being honest here, I would say living in New Haven is, a, is <laughs> I'm naturally a happy person. And I find even in myself, it's sometimes a struggle because I'm inside all day. There's not much to do. It's definitely growing the place, but I come over. She invited me over. Oh. I'll be there. I think that there's not much to do and you have to constantly, there's no distractions. Mm. So your simcha really has to be something you work on, on a constant daily hourly basis so even when like you wake up and like let's say it's like dark and you feel like your whole day is spent inside and not accomplishing anything that's like I feel almost where the real work comes Mm. in like you're not even trying to be happy for a specific reason but almost just because deep down we're naturally happy people and that's what we want to be like all children they're, they're happy children I was speaking to my father and he gave such a good example about Simcha he knows these two people that went to a wedding together and they were in an argument there was some hard feelings and they had a rocky relationship and they met each other by a Simcha and one of the guy's daughters were getting married and there was such high energy in the air was such a happy spiritual event they ended up just dancing together when they had so much stress and so much anger towards one another it's because simcha really does break all barriers there is nothing else in the room when there's simcha we're all connected because we have a part of god in us and we really are like i was saying you're a happy child inside it'll come because that's who we naturally are the sadness the depression all those angry emotions that's not real that's what we put on ourselves but what we really deep down are is simcha I like how you said tapping into your inner child. I really like that. If it's a gloomy day, I know for myself, like I'll wear a gloomy outfit or wear like a sweatshirt dress. <laughs> and that will make me happy. Like oh yeah. I'm dress- I'm not dressing up for like a summer day. And like, or like if a day's hard and it's like, you don't have to like force yourself to be happy all day. You're allowed to like tap into like what you're feeling and tap into feeling upset or tap into feeling annoyed or tap in to like feeling stressed or anxious as long as you know it's just like a feeling and nice it will move on tomorrow the sun will shine i like that you said that not getting so consumed with having a bad day life is constantly shifting things happen like you'll feel better what mosia said also resonates a lot because i constantly feel like pressure that i put upon myself to like always be happy and like not let things get to me and i think this year like i just 
really learned like one of the biggest life lessons and that is it's okay to be unhappy sometimes and it's okay to feel sad and it's normal to feel sad and life isn't perfect and you're gonna feel sad and trying to like tell yourself no no no, just be strong and like push that away is actually like in a way essentially like not taking into account like feeling for yourself just like you would tell your friend like oh she was feeling sick like oh you know maybe take it easy the next two days we find it so hard to literally tell ourselves that we'll be like you can do it just get up this year like it was a crazy year for me but one thing like I learned for myself and I like I put it into practice recently and it crazily shifted things that you don't always have to be strong. It's not like a mitzvah to be a martyr all the time. Like we have our flaws and it's life's imperfect. And letting yourself feel that uncertainty and that's like sometimes like not even sadness, but like just brokenness that you're going to feel because that's life and that's the experiences that you're going through actually helps you be happy in the end because you felt it and you experienced it. You didn't like just block that part of you that, needed that time to like heal I actually have something to say about the weather how it could affect your mood the summer rain because it's warm outside and we were stuck inside stuck you know who says what stuck is and I was just like okay I'm gonna take my kids out for a walk and we put on rain boots it took so long to get out <laughs> rain boots raincoats Kaylee couldn't find her rain boots. She wore mine. I wore just like slides, you know, that were waterproof. And then we walked across the street to the pond. And I can't tell you the freeing experience that it was. It was just like, there was nobody out, nothing to worry about, nowhere to go. And we were just like splashing the through the puddles. And I knew we were going home right after, right? Like we weren't going anywhere else. So it was just like the most freeing experience. And I felt like so happy to be like slow down in the rain. And I know that like such a cliche, you know, life is not about waiting for the storm to pass, (laughs) like dancing in the rain. And I just felt it so much. And I was like, I could choose this. Like when the snow comes, when the rain comes, when the cold comes, like we have that choice. Do you want to choose to like be upset and angry? Like, Mm -hmm. cause the weather, I mean, it's five, six months of the year. So this is the East Coast. (laughs) So I just felt like it was like a freeing experience. And I feel like you could choose that if you really, really tap into it. And it's just letting everything go. And just being there in the moment, like so tapped in. I feel like that goes into what you were saying, like about like the pure joy. Mm -hmm. Like getting to like that inner child, like you would for sure as a child, like love dancing Mm -hmm. in the rain. really your attitude so it could be small things like that or it could be a nice bottle of wine smashing on your driveway because your five-year-old insists on carrying it or somebody who is helping you who's not a five-year-old is helping you and they by mistake your reaction of happiness will make the difference in the rest of your day and you will feel better so I think that it's almost like a no-brainer that happiness is the optimal choice the question is how to do it right So small stuff, starting with the small stuff, trying to think like, okay, this really bothers me what just happened. That's going on in your brain. By the time your mouth opens, the Altair speaks about we're so blessed. We have the Tanya to teach us and guide us of how to react to our normal impulses of human beings. 
to teach us and train us that we can do more than our natural first impulse. If you're always your natural first impulse, you're in trouble. That's it. People associate simcha with an emotion because it's happiness. Well, how do your emotions come? Your emotions are, are rooted in your brain first and you make a decision to be happy. And there's a lot of studies today, and I've read a lot of nice books about it and it's just to corroborate the truth of the Torah that, that really the seed of happiness starts in the brain. Now, yes, it's a choice. When we use our brain to learn Torah and chassidus, obviously, as women, the Rebbe spoke about learning chassidus, and then we follow through and we use our mind and our heart to serve Hashem with tefillah, and we do all those other physical things, the happiness will come much easier because we're already in the routine of what we consider a person who's most likely to be happy. Create an environment that makes it easier for you to go through with your Simchadika lifestyle. Okay, it's Sarah's turn to have a hat. Sarah. Okay, who wants to go first? I could go first. Bring it on. Davin and I, we were talking about this concept before. Let's say someone gives you a present and you just like didn't respond. You're just like, "Mm, okay. Like you didn't say thank you. You didn't smile. You didn't acknowledge a present. The person that's giving the present would be like, excuse me, like I worked really hard on this and like I wanted to make you feel special and you're not like reciprocating that feeling. So I thought it was like really interesting in reference to Mishbiya Makabo, like Hashem is like giving us... Just no, pretend like that didn't happen. I was like really in the zone. <laughs> Just no, gonna, yeah, keep going. In reference to that, like giving and receiving relationship, when Hashem is giving you all these blessings, it's a two-way relationship. Like they always say, like it's a relationship. It's not just like your father. Like you have to give. It's two-way. Like if someone's giving you something, you have to acknowledge it. You have to say thank you. You have to daven. You have to be like, I appreciate this present that you're giving me. That's why we say Madani. Like, it's a thank you so much. Like, you gave me the gift of life. Waking up in the morning and saying thank you for the gift of giving me back my life is such a scary thing to say because basically what you're saying is, is you could have not given me back my life. So receiving from Hashem in that way is scary because you have to acknowledge that you're in such a vulnerable position from Him. I had my friend over Shabbos and we were just, we were talking and we're like, it's a week till Rosh Hashanah and like it comes every year and it's so crazy. We never feel like we're prepared enough. What do we talk to Hashem about? What do we say sorry for? How do we just connect ourselves to it? And she's like, you know what? It just like, it was a hard year. Like, I don't know what I'm going to tell God. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe just tell Hashem, thank you. So many times we think we always have to ask God for things. We have mm. to say like, if this and but, and why can't you and please. And so many times we forget that we can just say thank you to Hashem because even though we don't have everything, just acknowledging that God gives us what we have right now is so powerful and makes us so aware of what we do have. So I thought that was really special. Beautiful. And another thing is talking about the receiving part is when I was like five or six, my parents ran like a big like Purim festival and there was a girl in the Hebrew school and we were good friends and she came up to me and she was like, Rosie, Rosie here, I have Shalach Manas for you. And I don't know, for some reason I felt like I just couldn't take it. Like, you know, when you're, you're like, no, 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 like I can't, I can't take it. And I didn't want to take it from the girl. I came home and my mother was so upset at me and she's like, 
if you would have just like taken it from the girl and like told her like even like nothing, just like appreciated and not even said anything, just taken it from her, that in itself would have made her feel like a million bucks. Sometimes just like allowing someone to give you something is like just as big as them giving it to you. If someone comes to my house and like wants to help, I'll automatically be like, no, 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 it's fine. But like, go sit down and like, I don't need help or whatever. But the same way that when I go to people's houses and I want to help, I want to sweep the floor. I want to clean off the counters. The same way I want to go to someone's house and help out and clean up and do all that and pay for someone's coffee the same way someone else wants to. And you kind of like, it's something you need to like teach yourself and train yourself. Like it's okay. It doesn't make you a weaker person. It doesn't make you a more vulnerable person to like accept help and let someone else. And you're not putting someone else in an uncomfortable position by letting them help. Another part of like receiving also, that's like so interesting. And like, I was thinking about it this weekend also is like so many times, like I know with myself, like someone will give you a compliment or like say like, oh, your food was amazing. Or like, oh my gosh, I love that dress. And like, I know for me, I'll be like, oh my gosh, like, please, like it was nothing. Or like, really? Like, I feel like I don't look so good in this color. Your food is actually amazing. (laughs) And And you probably look amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember that, I remember reading a book like actually three years ago and it says that one of the signs, it's not Tara, but like one of the signs of a healthy person is that when they can accept a compliment and just say thank you. It's so hard. Like, I know I like struggle. I'll just be like, yeah, yeah. Or like, you will be like, oh my gosh, like that was so yum. I'll be like, yeah, really? He'll be like, yeah, it's good. I'll be like, really? And he'll be like, just take it. And we're like, no, this wasn't yeah, good. No, we always no. just like try to like say that we weren't good enough and we could be better. Or like just accepting that compliment sometimes and just saying thank you. And it, someone's like giving us like, a compliment and that in itself just receiving it also like decorating yourself out there like just yeah. to give a compliment is not easy you know i've really tried to practice just be instead of like trying to throw away the compliment and being like eh, i'm just like i'll be like yeah okay thank you like thank you so much well, like and that means say, a lot to me just yeah. saying thank you yeah, means just saying thank you yeah, yeah. not always giving of, an excuse or a reason or and we a do how it so often. i actually noticed that you started saying thank you yeah yeah that's so cute <laughs> how because like so i used to give you comments and you're like Whatever, whatever. (laughs) And now you're like, oh, thank you. I noticed. The way it worked for me was once I decided that I wanted to change, that awareness was all too glaring. I saw it in almost every moment of my everyday life, how I had this resistance to receive and I would quiet that voice or I would turn up receiving mode. So, I mean, it would go literally throughout the day. Someone offering to help me with my stroller up the steps, to the grocery man saying, I'll pack your bags and bring them to the car for you, to my mother offering to take the kids for an hour, to my husband saying, hey, I'm getting, I'm picking up a sandwich for myself. You want me to pick something up for you? And my knee-jerk reaction was always, no, I'm fine. I got this. I'm okay. Thank you. And to stop that and realize, ah, we're changing things. We're going to work out this new muscle. And it was really weak to begin with. But even just noticing that and stopping myself was the first step. And then saying, yes, and thank you. I would love that was the next step. And, you know, until 
I got to a deeper place of realizing that even when I was saying yes and thank you, I wasn't really receiving it within myself and having the humbleness to acknowledge to myself that, hey, someone just helped me out and I'm not indebted to them and I just received a gift and just like really working through like the guilt and the entitlement and all those other backstories that come along with receiving. So uh, practically just start working out the muscle, building that awareness and it gets stronger. And at least for myself, I saw how much it made the people around me so much happier to contribute to my life instead of constantly being pushed away. Okay, so we have a winner. (laughs) Sarah, so here's what I have for you. Yeah, she has the crown for the winner. Okay, now's the part of the birthday party where we all go around and tell the birthday girl how much she means to us. We'll go around and ask if everyone could share how Hasidus impacts their lives. And I say impacts in present tense, like not this impacted, but currently, how does Hasidus impact your life? Okay, let's start with Chaya. I was thinking about the Hashkacha protests and how important that aspect feels like every single day to me. I feel like I'm exactly where I need to be. Like even right here, it feels so deep to me, like to be here in New Haven with each and every one of you. And the fact that like in this time in my life, that after seven years of living in Crown Heights near my family, that suddenly like I was pushed out after Corona, being in my apartment, like moving to New Haven, a place I've never even like thought about. And then I get here and I feel so open Even the house I'm living in, like Rosie had a big hand in that. Like everything, I just felt like it was meant to be. Like it almost goes in with bitachan, that like I feel like Hashem is just carrying me exactly where I need to be, on my path, on my journey. I'm not on that road. I'm not on that road. Like I looked at houses on that. You know, I'm not even specifically talking about houses, but even down to the house. Like I'm on the exact path where I need to be. And it's such a deep knowing to me. And it fills me with such a security and I feel so much. And I'm so lucky that I am born Chabad. It makes me emotional. Like, I feel really lucky. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's so nice. You're saying how like you're so emotional, but like you're so in tune to like everything you're feeling, which is beautiful. Thank you. Okay, Masia. I grew up on Shlachas in Liverpool, England. And even though now, like, I'm living in New Haven, which is kind of a random place, I feel so lucky that I grew up loving, like, Shlachas life and where I lived and where I grew up. And it really, it makes me who I am and, like, the way I interact with people, the way I meet people, the way I invite people to my house because I grew up with that mindset that everyone I spoke to 
everything had meaning and everything, even I drove an hour and a half to school every day. That was because I lived, I lived somewhere to have an impact on people's lives and living in New Haven can sometimes feel like there aren't many people here and there aren't many people to have like an impact on their life or to make a difference to people's lives. But you could be living anywhere. You could be living in the middle of nowhere or in the middle of the biggest community and you could make that decision to have an impact on people's lives and to bring joy to people's lives and to help people. Also, Shkaka Pratis, like really seeing it in every moment of my life. Like I could trace back my life to step by step. Like if this didn't happen, then this didn't happen. So knowing that we have Ashkaha Pratis really helps me like guide myself that I'm going in the right direction, on the right path and to the right place. Beautiful. Miriam, go for it. The Alter Rebbe once had a student who came to him complaining about financial struggles and the Alter Rebbe told him, you're speaking about what you need, but have you given thought about what you're needed for? So this has personally impacted me in making that perspective shift from focusing on what I think I need, you know, to grow my self-image, my ego, versus what Hashem needs from me. And once you think that way about what Hashem needs from you, then you have the ability to recognize that everything you have is exactly what you need to serve Hashem. And that means that your struggles could be your personality traits that frustrate you, challenges you face, whatever it is. They're all literally tailor-made to you because you're fit for the job. Hashem wants you. He wants for you to come as you are and really to serve him as you are. And I guess that's the point. I mean, not I guess. That's the point of the story. Like the Altarab is telling his student, right now, Hashem just doesn't want your money. He wants you the way you are. And I think realizing this will actually leads me to live a more wholesome life because you have the ability to not be thinking about what other people are thinking and just focus on the fact that you're awesome and you just have to go for it and do more and serve Hashem the best you could. And by the way, it's not an all or nothing. Like I try to just internalize this daily, but like it's impossible to do this all in one day because I'm always busy with I put this personality trait about myself and it like stops me. And like, I think the point is like realizing that you can't let it stop you because it's actually a part of who you are and what you got to do. Like it's really, that's the only way you'll ever succeed if you just go for it in who you are. I love that. Like take full ownership over every single part of you. I always tell you about this about myself because I actually find that like I get in the way of myself but we can't let ourselves get in the way of ourselves because what's the point? This is my Yiddishkeit. That's what I was thinking. I love that. Okay, Sarah, go for it. How has Hasidus not impacted my life? I feel like I live by Hasidus and that makes me sound so much more spiritual than I actually am. I'm not spiritual. I, Being honest, I don't think about God or the Rebbe on a daily basis, but I feel like I, I... I live by Hashkacha Pratis and the teachings of Hasidus are who I am. It's like the Hashkacha Pratis, the Simcha, the Bittacha, and like all of that are like constant ideas that like I go about my day. So Hasidus, I feel like my whole self is due to to today. Like it's it's the birthday of Hasidus. I feel like it's almost my birthday. And I run a program for children of special needs. And just a small example with Hashtag Pratis is 
I feel like people look at me as like a super positive, "Eh, it's all going to go lucky person. But the night before I run events, I probably have anxiety attacks. Like I don't sleep at night. I wake up at least three to four times middle of the night. I have hard time breathing. Like I just take like deep breaths. And the one thing that I found like almost like the most powerful thing for me to relate to is it's going to be run, not by me, but Hashem is running it. I'm not even running it. I'm just being that person. I'm going to do my best. But really, however it turns out, is not even in my control. And that literally, like, I, I feel my body just like being able to breathe again. Like, I feel the blood flowing. I'm, I sound like, it's not even an exaggeration. Like, I, I sleep better when I tell myself that the night before. It's something that is a constant thing that you work on. And the night before the event, the minute before the event, I constantly tell myself, Sarah, breathe. It's going to go great. This is where Hashem wants me to be in this moment. And I almost feel like there's a whole different energy that enters me and that other negative energy disappears. And I feel like I'm flying. And the events go wonderfully, Baruch Hashem, and it's excellent. I feel like that is my everyday life. Like, let go and let God He'll do it. He'll take care of it. Be happy. Everything comes afterwards. Just be where you are. I feel like I am who I am because of Hasidus. Beautiful. Okay, Rosie, your turn. I think that for me, Hasidus means so many things. But I think if I would point to something overall that really relates to me is the Rebbe. And I think that the Rebbe has made Hasidus to me feel so real and applicable. I didn't grow up seeing the Rebbe. And I hear and I know the most incredible, empowering stories of who he was as a leader and a friend and a mentor. And I see how he impacted so many people's lives and how he bought my parents from two literal separate parts of the world, someone from New York and someone from Belgium, and brought them all the way down under to Australia for them to start a community and impact so many other people's lives. And I just always had this connection to the rabbi that I didn't even know, but perhaps my soul felt it deep down. And then just knowing also that I was born on Chavches Ivan, having that Kayach, Chavches, and it was the day that the rabbi and the rabbison arrived to America, just makes me feel that I possess something unique in my connection to the rabbi. And I guess that's really what has brought me to like so many incredible instances and places in my life that I really just draw on the Rebbe and all his teachings through everything. I, through so many parts of my life, for example, when I was going through high school, I remember I wanted to go to a cooking school and my parents were really not pro. They didn't want me going to a mixed college and my father questioned it. And he said, you know what, Rosie, you do what you usually do. You write to the Rebbe and you get incredible answers. So I wrote, And there it came back, a clear answer that you should go to a Jewish school. So I knew automatically the Rebbe was talking to me. And there was always that like Kabbalah Saul, like when I would get a letter and when I get letters that I know that when I'm writing, and it's in a way scary because you got to listen to the Rebbe. If the Rebbe says something, you do it. I would always see the most positive and incredible outcomes come out of all of it. And and even more recently, this year, I went through something and I wrote to the Rebbe like about a medical question and the Rebbe said, you should go to that doctor. And I did. And I went to that doctor and it really transformed my life. Like it turned everything around. And I wish like, honestly, the Rebbe was here that I 
could say thank you. Like, I feel like he's a father to me. I know it sounds crazy, but he's just like a book away. And all his teachings really, like they make your life so real and purposeful and meaningful. I think for me, Chaseris is really connecting to the Rebbe as a person and all his teachings and everything that he tried to impart on this world. And for example, like the Rebbe accepted anyone. He saw all Jews as equal, like with a yarmulke, no yarmulke, with a shaitul, no shaitul. We were all part of like this movement of love and unity and harmony and just feeling that and knowing that and breathing that. And even like in my own personal life, like when my brother was born with Down syndrome, like who would have ever guessed that our family would be blessed to have like someone, someone with such a special neshama, but with that outlook that all our external, that's not what counts. We all have that soul. And if only we would just love each other without seeing the outside and just love each other for who we are, because we're all a part of Hashem. And I know that everything the Rebbe has taught me, and I have so much more to learn, is giving me so much life, is giving me meaning. And I just want to say today, thank you, Rebbe. Thank you for giving us the greatest gift you continue to give us. Amen. That was beautiful. I'm going to share how Chassidus impacts my life, present tense. When you grow up Chabad, it's so formative. It's very hard to pick it apart from who you are. I would say that the biggest way that Chassidus impacts my life is that it teaches me to live inwardly and to be focused on my personal soul and life mission and not to be looking around at what other people are doing or what someone else's mission is or what someone else's character is, but to be very honest and personal about what I think I can do or what I think I can't do and to go with that. It turns the light inward. It says like, look for guidance within based on the life Hashem gave you, the character, the struggles, the people in your life, the place you're in, and to move in that direction. And it also really empowers me personally that I can make conscious choices, that I'm not a victim to any negative circumstances or negative traits that I have, and that nothing is really in my way of fulfilling my deepest mission. Everything that I am given is part of making that conscious choice to live a life that's aligned with my godly soul. And being aligned with my godly soul is not something that happens to me, but it's something that I make a conscious choice towards every single day. And that's something that I'm constantly relearning because there's so many things, at least for me personally, there's so many things that constantly crop up and things that you think you sort of got ownership over or you got under control or it's no longer something that you really have to actively make that choice to do. But I feel like halacha and anything that's part of my divine service is actually something that I have to make a conscious choice for every day. And I never get to the place where it's automatic, even though some things become habit. But chassidus empowers me to understand that I could make that conscious choice and I could decide who I want to be. Okay, we're moving on. Guys, rapid fire. I'm so excited. (laughs) I've been wanting to do rapid fire with like anyone for so long. This is how I'm going to do the rapid fire. I'm just going to 
point at you. <laughs> okay. I'll be like, you. Okay. Unless, yeah, I keep saying Missy because yeah. you're directly in my line of fire. <laughs> Rosie, in one word, how would you describe Chabad Chassidus? Unity. Mosia. Accepting. Miriam. Mindfulness. Chaya. Mm. Love. Elisheva. Transformative. Sarah. Self-empowerment. Oh, nice. Guys. I know. Was was really good guy. I actually didn't know the question, but it was so good. Okay. Next. I feel like you should pull up a disclaimer. Like, this group did not prepare for rapid fire. They actually didn't know. By the way, whenever I listen to podcasts and there's rapid fire, I'm like, they must have given them the questions before. Okay. Miriam, who's your biggest role model and why? My biggest role model is my grandmother. She was so comfortable with herself. Mm. And I love that. My husband, Levy, he is my role model. And he took something that could have easily broken someone down and made it his strongest character trait. I'm going to say my husband too, Mm. because he's just like so calm. Nothing gets him. And I feel like I'm always like, woo, up and down and full of the moods. And I'm like, wow, this guy is just keeps it together. I'm so amazed. Well, I'm honestly amazed. My grandparents, who I was lucky enough to grow up ne- like living next to, they're just such kind, accepting, smart people who just always do the right thing and always make all their grandchildren feel like they're going in the right direction and doing the right thing and make us feel that we are the best possible version of ourselves. I think for me, my mother is my biggest role model. She's an exceptional woman. She has like such an infinite amount of love for everyone. And to me, like I literally feel so blessed that across the world, she's just a phone call away. She always has the best advice and a listening ear. And she herself like just continues to like literally blow me away. She has the most crazy and amazing life at the same time but she's just constantly just trekking through and putting Hashem in and giving it all no matter what okay what's your favorite Hasidic saying chalk up and think it nice translate it thank God and it will be good awesome Masya Hashkacha Pratis even though I feel like it's so like duh it's like so obvious like everyone I feel like it's like everyone's like go-to but it's really just a way of everything happens for a reason even the silliest things or even like the most mundane things are happening for a reason and it's a way to be okay with it and if something happens and you could either be annoyed and stressed you could think instead you could think oh this is and it just makes it so much easier to just be like it's just a stumble in the road and the day goes on. Like it won't dictate your day. Nice. Chaya. I think it's from Tehillim, but the Baal Shem Tev always like brings it out. It's like Hashem is recreating the world constantly, every second. And it's a new moment and a new chance. We're so hard on ourselves, but if God is creating the world every single minute, we have a new chance every single moment which is just amazing to me. Beautiful. Rosie? Ain't odd Milvato. Like, there's no one else, like, but him. And I think that empowers me to feel that 
I've been put into this world for a purpose and Hashem is our king and he's our master and we have this divine mission sent from a king that is giving his servants, like his most loving servants, the most incredible tasks in this world to transform the world and make it into like a gorgeous palace. So yeah, just knowing that Hashem is the ultimate and we have him always to turn to no matter what. It's like an incredible thing. I don't think we can grasp it. If you think that all these people in the world are pulling the strings, it's God. Nice. Sarah. There are so many that I love. One of them being Trachum and Zanga. Sorry, I know I but it was everyone. taken by my dear friend, Eli <laughs> I would say probably second to favorite is a mensch as a spiegel. Or spiegel, spiegel. Mensch a spiegel. Because a person is a mirror. It's and when you're looking at somebody and you see a negative trait, I believe it is mm -hmm. the Alter Rebbe, he says, no, 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 no. That trait's not in them. That's in you. What am I really looking at? Am I saying that I don't like you? Or am I saying I don't like that personality? within myself and how do I start working on that ASAP so when you look at a person and you don't like something or specifically you do like something it's either a compliment or a wake-up call to your own self and saying what am I really saying how can I work on myself they're not their own entity you're a mirror of me so I've heard that but I've also heard that if you see a negative trait you either it's because you have it in yourself or you're given the chance to help them overcome it I like that yeah. I love it you still live by it <laughs> used to I still do Miriam your turn <laughs> I don't know why this came to me, but it did. Because I feel like it's seeing the godliness in this world when sometimes it just seems so ungodly and those lenses are so necessary all the time, all day, every day. So that's Come what I chose. My garden. Oh, so beautiful. I don't so even fun. feel like it's so hot. Yeah. yeah, I feel like we need to restart. It's, right? it's so yeah. fun. It's okay, so little bonus round. Do you guys know how to play this or that? Yeah. I'm going to say two words. Like if I say guitar or drums and you choose like instinct, what comes to mind? Micro or macro? Macro. 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 Yeah. I'll also say macro. 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 Micro for me. Mind or heart? Mind or heart? Heart all the way. Heart. Mind. Mind. Heart. Mind. Okay. Heaven or earth? I'm going to go with heaven. Earth. Earth. I think heaven. Earth. Heaven. Definitely earth. Earth. Yeah. Guys, yeah. thank you so much for coming. This was so much fun. Oh, I so, so fun. enjoyed it. Sharing how Chassidus has impacted our life, just discussing different ideas. It was so beautiful. Thank you, everyone, for coming and opening up your hearts and sharing. It was great, it was Tanya. So beautiful. Thank you, Tanya. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It was so great. Thank you so much. Elokai zakinina betoratcha uvimitzotecha Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, you can find me on Instagram at humanandholy or via email at humanandholy at gmail.com. New episodes of the podcast come out every single Sunday morning. If you don't want to miss a single episode, then hit the subscribe button. If you enjoyed today's episode and could take a quick second to leave a rating or review, it means a lot to me and it helps other people find the podcast. 
Thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a wonderful day.